Hey, this is Daniel. Thanks for listening to DIY Money. If you haven't already, be sure to give us a five-star review on iTunes so your friends know that they can learn from the show. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of DIY Money. DIY Money. What's up, Logan? Yeah, it's been a while. How are you doing? A couple weeks, eh? Yeah, not, not too bad. I'm but, doing good. Um, we need an update, Daniel. It's been a while. We need an update on your fantasy football team. Oh. <laughs> the season has gotten dicey. Uh, yeah, I'm. we've got two games left until the playoffs. Yeah, this, yeah, this coming week, mm-hmm. which people will be listening to this late. But as of our recording this, we're going into week 13. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Be helpful if I knew what, what week we were. Um, and so that means that there's two weeks left in the season. I am currently in the running for playoffs, but I think I have to win one of the next games. No. Yes. I think I need to at least win one of the next games, probably. Uh, my team... Is terrible now because my star <laughs> uh, wide receiver got injured. He's out for the season. Oh, Cooper Cup. Yep. My decent tight end got injured, but he's supposed to be back for the playoffs, so I might pick him back up again. Okay. Uh, Eagles. Um, Dallas got or Yep. Yep. Uh, so I, I dropped him because I needed to shuffle some things around. And I'm just hanging in there. Hanging in there. Uh, went in with a plan, and then the plan got destroyed, basically, when all my star people started being terrible. And all the long shots I picked, I stacked my bench with long shots. And uh, you, you go for long shots, hoping that like one <laughs> or two will hit. And uh, I went with a lot of long shots, and pretty much none of them hit. So, so <laughs> I've just been picking up like injured people who are coming back and yeah. are decent. You all know what you have to do. No one, and I mean no one, comes into our house and pushes us around. Yeah, mine's a similar situation. I have... Like I started the year out strong, like was was crushing it. it. Was like number two in the league or something like that, and then I just piled up the injuries. Like my team should be called the injured reserve. I have like no players left. So like when you start, I start like eight people, I think, and then we have like six people on the bench every week. My bench always gets zero because like that's impressive. Hurt. It's terrible. you're so efficient. It is so terrible. Yeah. So we have one guy in our league that's lost one game. Wow. Which just doesn't seem like it's mathematically... That's unreal. I mean, possible. He's had... A, I guess he's just way better than everybody else. He knows his stuff, but even people who know their stuff don't ace it. Uh, no. I mean, He's I, been really good about like searching the haystack and finding people who uh, are potentially going to do well. So he's, he's definitely reading the intel. I yeah. should read the intel. I don't care that much, though. Every year, I think like I'm going to do really well, and I, I study football a decent amount. I watch a good amount of football. But I think at this point, fantasy football is just me paying to be in a group chat with my friends. Pretty much. it's Yeah, that's that's basically it. Yeah, you just need a distraction from the fact that you're just online <laughs> chatting in a chat room together. <laughs> basically. 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 So. This is your game now, gentlemen. It's your last one, so make it count. Because you'll remember it. For the rest of your lives. All right. All right. Well, let's get to our question today. We have a good question um, from Austin in Minnesota. DIY! Hello, DIY Money Team. Austin from Minnesota here. My question is regarding renting or selling your starter home when moving on to a bigger house. I, I bought a two-bedroom townhouse in 2021 at a 3% interest rate, and I've done a lot of updates throughout the home. 
With just getting married and having plans for kids in the future, we're discussing needing a new house with more space in the next seven to 10 years. I've definitely increased the value of the home with the renovations that are completed, but weighing the options of renting it out instead of selling it when we get to that point. As it won't be my primary residence, do I keep the 3% interest rate or does that change as it's not my homestead? Just trying to figure out our savings rate um, if we keep it as a rental versus selling it and using the profits to work as a new home down payment. Thanks for your help. All right, so let's let's approach this question in two ways because there really is two routes moving to take parts here. Yeah, there's there's quite a few moving parts. Oh, honest to Pete's sake. Let's talk about the math side of it, and then I know we're going to want to talk about kind of the psychology of renting your home and stuff as well. So. Speak a little bit and start on the math portion, kind of the planning out if he's increased the value, if selling that and then rolling the funds into a new home, all all those moving parts. Yeah. So if we're doing, let's say, a financial plan for a scenario like this, we would actually model that in a software. So we would look at, you know, what is his savings rate? How much is he going to have available in liquidity when he goes to buy another house uh, versus, you know, the equity that's in this one? And with a few button presses, we could sort of model, okay, we sell this or we turn it into a rental, have income, things like that. Uh, So those are the things we look at. We don't know all of the math behind it. So it's hard to say definitively, you know, hey, in this instance, mathematically, this one wins. But what's good is when you run scenarios like this, the math is usually pretty clean cut. Now you have variables that you don't know. So you don't know things like, what your occupancy rate's going to be, or mm-hmm. vacancy, you know, the inverse of occupancy rate would be vacancy rate. How <clears throat> how many months of a year on average, uh, and how often is that happening where you have vacancy in your rental? So that's, you know, time without income. You don't know um, cost of, you know, maintenance and updates along the way, uh, various things like that. But you can use some basic industry assumptions with that type of thing, and... Once you do that, you can kind of see clear cut what that math looks like. So um, that's usually the route that we would take as somebody's kind of comparing that. Yeah. When you're looking at kind of apples to apples, okay, Mm -hmm. well, this is what you could expect in a return if you continue to rent it. This is your estimated rent that that would be based on Austin and what he thinks he could get for rent in that area. Would it cover the mortgage? Would it cover you know, insurance taxes and then whatever maintenance you need to do. So you look at and and actually model like we do mm. often uh, what those two scenarios look like. But okay, now speak to the other side of it. So the psychology of taking a house and that's the one you live in and now moving over to, um, you know, a new primary home. Also, he mentioned in there that when he moves and that's not his primary residence, does he get to keep that same rate? I believe he does, but you tell me. Yeah. So on the interest rate part, you definitely want to speak with your lender, bank. The boss is getting impatient. He wants his money. Wherever uh, that your loan is through to verify and or go through your loan documents. Typically, the way it works when you buy a home is you're, when you get a individual uh, mortgage, you're certifying that you are going to reside in that house for X amount of time. Um, and that's a contractual agreement with you and the loan company. So you you have to make sure that that is the case. Uh, after that period of time, generally speaking, uh, there's no restrictions on being able to uh, utilize that as a rental, and uh, you can still keep that mortgage and rate, etc. What you do have to think about, though, before you go make an offer on a new place, 
is you're going to need to talk to a lender and um, get you know pre-qualified and approved and all of that because you're now effectively, if you keep both and have a mortgage on both, you're going to have two mortgages and the lender may or may not like that, especially if you've not moved out of the townhouse yet and have income on it because now you cannot prove what level of income and cash flow and stuff like that is it's not like a business yet right so what you effectively are doing is you're asking a bank to give you a mortgage on a new house with a business proposal for your current house on what you think you are going to derive on that from cash flow so it would be akin to let's say you were going out and buying a house and you didn't have a job yet or a job offer letter, but you said, I have a degree and I'm pretty sure that I'm going to get this much in salary when I find a job. Your bank's probably going to be like, eh. Yeah, they'll be like, well, why don't you go get a job? And then when you have an earnings history, show us that. And then we can tell you how much loan that you can afford. So that's one of the things you have to keep in mind. Now, sometimes local credit unions, smaller banks, stuff like, like neighborhood, community, uh, are a little bit more workable uh, on something like that. But uh, really, when it comes down to it, they're going to have to see something um, and understand something. So definitely talk about that ahead of time uh, with the lender, etc., and just see what that looks like. But yes, you in theory, you should be able to do this. What you might need to do, it sounds arduous, what you might need to do is move out of that house, rent that house for a year, you know, rent it out to other people, live mm-hmm. somewhere for a year, have cash flow on this house coming in, basically have the business set up and everything, and then be able to go to a bank and say, hey, we have now earnings history on this house. Yes, we have a loan on it. It's covering the loan. And now we go into the, you know, now we can get approved for a loan of gotcha. some sort. So I've not personally done it. So I'm not, I can't speak exactly to the semantics of how that all would work out. But my general understanding is the bank wants to see mm-hmm. how you're covering two mortgages. Yeah. So, I mean, you're you're probably going to have to either discuss with your banker, credit union, whatever it is, or do kind of what you're saying. And they might they may recommend that, you know, well, let, let's see that you have some earnings mm-hmm. that are coming in for the house before you do that. Now, uh, as far as kind of the the broad sense of the question of should we do this, is this even make sense? It's uh, it's got to be obviously based on your your individual thoughts and what you're okay and comfortable with. But if you want to get into rental real estate, if that's something that you want to go down and you're comfortable with doing maintenance and repairs and dealing with tenants, which could sounds be, like they fixed it up already somewhat. So maybe they're handy or they know people. So yeah, that's- yeah. So maybe the handy part's not a big deal, but dealing with tenants. I mean, you and I were talking about. I don't know if I'd want to. Deal yeah. with tenants too often, but when we moved out of our starter home, we were actually moving out of it and moving into a rental as it was anyhow. Uh, and we opted to sell our starter home mostly because the situation was it was a hundred year old house, and there was just a lot of stuff that I didn't want to personally deal with. And if we had tenants, I felt like they would probably want things dealt with, and so it just wasn't. Um, I, I didn't really want those calls at all, and we just kind of wanted to be done with that particular house but there are times where i look back and go boy it'd be nice to have that as rental yeah yeah i mean and i've i have a really good mentor that is very heavily involved in uh real estate 
And that's how he started. He started yeah. doing real estate by basically had a starter home, moved out of it after a couple of years, and um, moved into a new home, but kept that one and started doing r- rental. So he's recommended to me doing something along those lines or or following that similar process. So I, I think for Austin, it's a good idea yeah. if they want to be rentors if they if that's part of their long-term plan they run the math and they understand kind of the loan and banking side of it as well yeah this is basically the reverse of the or the inverse the complete opposite of the dave ramsey debt snowball right so this is like the equity snowball yeah if you will so you have a small house it's very manageable you live in it for a while fix it up to decent shape rent that out move up to another house Maybe fix that up or move into a townhouse and rent out part of it, whatever. But you basically take on, you know, one more property at a time, et cetera. Uh, and you basically just try to grow your property and rental portfolio in a sustainable uh, way, um, utilizing the various properties that have come along before that. So it, it's an interesting it's an interesting method. It's just not, for me personally, rental uh, rental real estate is just not something I've ever gotten into. I would be intrigued to get into it someday with somebody who wanted to deal with the more nuts and bolts daily operations side of it. And then I be more of like just the numbers and spreadsheet side of it. Yeah. That'd be, cause that's the part I'm good at. I know I'm not very good at the having to deal with, I'm not very good at having to deal with my own house maintenance, a little less house maintenance for a tenant. So yeah, I'm not super handy. Um, I think my wife would eventually really enjoy doing rental real estate. Her family has done that for a long time. And, um, She's been heavily involved in it. So that might be something in our future. But at the same time, from real estate people I've talked to, I've heard some horror stories where, uh, you know, they come check out a house one day and tenants have basically taken the floor out or just random things like that. That, you know, if you don't see your tenant for a very long time uh, and they don't talk to you, well, then what are they doing in the house? And then if they, if you do hear from them constantly, maybe they're great renters and they just want things fixed up, but then you have to be the person that comes and fixes things and, and takes care of stuff. You know, it looks like the gee golly wreck of the Hesperus. So I don't know. It's it's a toss up. and it, But if you run the numbers, if you want to do real rental real estate, I think it could make sense to do it with this method. Absolutely. I really like uh, saving the uh, stocks and other investments that are more liquid because you can always hit a button to some extent, right, and cash out of those. Uh, I know that people who have done real estate well have done it really well and do very well for themselves. I would encourage most people to keep in mind that a lot of the returns from real estate in some way, shape, or form come from leverage, meaning you're taking on debt in order to buy properties or cash out of properties, et cetera. So a lot of your return is coming from the fact that you took on debt. Or in some cases, maybe you're buying properties really cheap and rehabbing them, stuff like that. But there is usually along the lines, the people who have started out and done well have levered along the way somehow. And it's important to keep in mind that anytime you are leveraging or taking on debt in order to invest, that there are inherently risks in that. Uh, It can work out. It's not always a, a bad thing. Obviously, people have done really well with it. But there are risks to you taking on debt in order to grow this kind of real estate empire. So keep that in mind. Okay.
Great question, Austin. We're going to wrap it up there. Guys, make sure you send in your audio questions. We've been getting a, uh, a good slew of them coming in, but we need more. So send in your, your questions to podcast at DIYmoney.com. Send in those audio questions. We'll send you an Amazon $25 gift card. And remember, check your email for those Amazon gift cards. Did you see the memo about this? I'm sending them out, and a lot of them are going to spam or going to other folders. So just make sure that you're looking for them um, and seeing if, if you've gotten that gift card somewhere else on your email. All right, friends. The secret to wealth is really very simple. Live on less than you make. Invest the rest. Do so for a very long time. Make it a great one. Thanks for listening to this episode of the show. If you want your question aired on the show, be sure to send that to us and you'll get a $25 Amazon gift card. This show is for entertainment and educational purposes only and is not intended as personal financial advice. Before making any financial decision, please do your homework and consult a financial advisor as needed.